call her small boy or girl Brown, pink or black or white And welcome back to Barn Banter with Cowboy Andy The podcast for kids musicians by a kids musician And today we get to talk to a couple guys, a couple cats out of Oklahoma And this is kind of a unique conversation that I've been looking forward to having for Sometime because I've been curious about this subgenre within the overall kids' music genre. And so, what we're talking about is uh, secular music and non secular music. So, just so that we, you know, you remember how this works, secular has to do with um, non religious worldly things, and Non-secular has to do with more religious face-based thing. So that's kind of the, the segregation between the two. And I'm sure we'll throw around different terms and stuff like that during the conversation. And this is timely because my guests uh, just released an album in the non-secular world. And uh, we're going to chat about that, learn about the process, hopefully. And I don't know what we're going to talk about because I haven't had the conversation yet. So while we'll just let's just go ahead and welcome to Barn Banter our new friends. <laughs> and I'm not sure which to call you. I guess I should call you Spaghetti Eddie, or shall we go with Parker and Alexander? Uh, either one works, uh, because we will probably discuss both. But Brendan Parker, Eric Alexander of Spaghetti Eddie slash Parker and Alexander. And there you go. Okay, cool. So yes, to, to clarify, so you guys are a Spaghetti Eddie, which is a kids music duo out of Oklahoma, right? Correct. Okay. How long have you been doing that? Um, we released the first Spaghetti Eddie album in 2010. So we are looking at a decade of making and playing music together. Right I on. Could call it decadence. <laughs> yes, it's a decadence of music. <laughs> I just made that up. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And you have five albums out, and I was noticing that you've named them Volume 1, Volume 2, 3, like... So you've got this really consistent theme going, and then graphically, they're very consistent too. You're the same sort of visual representation on on all the albums. That is correct. We thought it would be easier and um, more fun to have kind of some continuity in terms of the look and the title because it's a long title. So we didn't, you know, Spaghetti Eddie and other children's songs was the. It just kind of stuck, so we were thought, well, let's just keep it going. And it's fun to say Volume Five or Volume Three when people are referring to albums, so it kind of feels bigger than it is, I guess, maybe. But we are we are happy with all of that artwork. My sister did a lot of it, which is cool. So we kind of kept a lot of that stuff within the family as well. Uh, who is and Spaghetti Eddie? I saw this caricature, this like person in the costume who was Spaghetti Eddie. Do you still, or what was that about? Uh, during one of our albums, we did a crowdfunding. Um, kind of thing where we had people contribute to the production of the album and and also the creation of i'm assuming you're talking about our mascot which is a large costume yes so we had that created i think for volume two and uh it he when we can find a person to be in it will come to some major gigs like big festivals or (laughs) you know if they actually say can you bring the costume the guy so he doesn't talk. He walks around. He kind of hang, hangs out for a couple few songs and then goes back into the, you know, behind the stage or wherever to change. But um, it's impressive. It's I've, I've worn it. It's hot. It <laughs> makes you very large in circumference. So you are like knocking into kids that you don't even know are there. You can only look through the little mouth like of the of the mask. 
but um, yeah, that's it's a um, it's I guess a part of our inventory of of fun we can provide. And occasionally, I know because I'm kind of I have my stage persona with a big hat and sunglasses and stuff. And there's that like one in fifty seven kids looks at me and just starts crying. <laughs> that look of terror you can see it in their eyes and you're like oh this this isn't gonna go well i can tell already and well i mean if people already weren't scared of a seven-foot italian <laughs> yeah. yes it has it has brought uh terror to some children i'm sure of but we the person that's in it can usually tell like oh i'm not gonna walk near that one because they're already screaming at me from 10 feet away so <laughs> I remember being scared of those mascots too at games or at amusement parks and things like that. But um, our guy doesn't talk and he only dances really, and that's about it. That's okay. That's cool. That's that yeah. works. You have to figure out how to like get him to play guitar at some point, and then. Well, we have a couple songs that are very interactive with crowd, meaning you know, touch your head, touch your toes, kind of thing, and that's the one we like to play. The song called Spaghetti Eddie, and one of those two or three songs where you can really interact, and then he does it with the crowd. So it's. It's pretty fun. He hasn't been to a gig in a while, to be honest with you. It's just it's hard to find a third person in short notice sometimes, middle of summer. You know, we've had a guy do it once that he went and passed out at his house later on. So, and he was doing it for to be nice and kind. So it's not like he made any money off the gig. So I felt bad, but uh, he was happy to do it. He's a big fan of it. I should say, after listening to some of your tracks, I'm uh, especially live, uh, some of the videos I've seen of you guys performing live. It's really impressive the amount of sound that you two co- you two can produce just with like acoustic guitar and a and a drum kit. You've really dialed in the ability to sonically create a really exciting, bright sound with just two. Uh, yeah, I, you know what? Maybe I'll comment on this one. Um, <clears throat> this is Eric, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I I really enjoy playing live as a duo uh, even though people will ask me from time to time well are you guys playing with sequences or live loops or whatever and I just say no we we don't but uh, you know the beauty of scaling uh, down what you hear on the record and just playing it as a guy with an acoustic singing and a guy behind a drum set and singing is that it gives us a chance to have a lot of space to uh, really a lot of space to just kind of look at each other feed off one another and say things not only in uh in between songs but actually during the songs so we have a lot of funny banter that we've kind of developed that are that are mid mid tune if that makes any sense oh yeah totally i find i because i play with a we play with a full four piece and sometimes even you know five or six piece we'll invite other musicians and it becomes a challenge to manage all those parts and pieces. And if everybody gets excited and we all are like really into it and everybody's playing full bore at the same time, this, the music suffers, I think. And so that, that ability to, well, plus you're playing with a full kit. And so when I was actually watching one of your videos, it sounded, my mind was hearing like a bass line. And I'm like, no, no, that's just something between the kick and some toms and what the guitar is playing is kind of, making me feel as if it's, you know, bigger than it is. Yes, that's good that you think that. We, we, we are glad you hear the full, a full sound because some of the stuff Eric can do vocally as well, like he can make sounds happen with his mouth and throat that sound like a lead guitar or maybe in a bass line or something like that. So he'll throw little things in there. And, and I've learned, you know, the songs are the, the way they are on the record, but we might play them. I might do something different on guitar that might 
might kind of make your ear hear something that you don't necessarily think you should hear. So we we thoroughly enjoy um, performing live no matter what, usually. We've played for large and small, and that's like our favorite thing to do within the music world, at least in, in my mind it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your harmonies work really well together too. So when it comes to performance, you guys, I, I mean, in my opinion, you've got it really dialed in, which is, it's awesome, the sound that you're making. How's it, how is it like in Oklahoma? Is a vibrant music scene there for kids? Uh, you know, it's been, pretty, it's been pretty great to us. Uh, there are some existing bands also here that play music for kids and families and we've kind of early on worked with them and kind of gotten some guidance here and there but we've really been able to establish a great fan base and we play the library system and a lot of festivals that come through we play at the zoo a lot so there's been some recurring entities and groups that that like us and every time we get a new album release which has been consistently every couple of years we release a new album which is great then we you know, we kind of go back to the same groups and, and fans that are looking forward to hearing our stuff. So it's been it's been very good um, without any having really any expectations um, because we kind of started playing very much on a whim uh, without really thinking, OK, we're going to make this album. We're going to band together. We're going to start you know playing gigs. It was just kind of for fun. And then it just turned into what it is. So this might be a, a nice time to segue from audience to audience and. I'm 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 going to be honest with you. I'm going to really, I, I'm not challenged, but there's this um, outsider view of a, a performer who doesn't do uh, non secular music for children and their families, looking at different opportunities to play to different audiences or new audiences. For instance, I've noticed that in country music like Nashville country, there's there aren't hardly any children's musicians specifically dedicated to that genre and the country music awards they don't have anything for children or families and anything that uh, that they you find over there is at least as i've seen it's usually you know pop country stars doing their song with kids as opposed to writing songs for kids and mm. so I look at like country music as like, you know, that's sort of like an untapped market. It's a genre that nobody's really figured out how to get into. And then uh, when you look at like non-secular music, that's also a, uh, you know, it's a, it's a genre. It's a opportunity. It's an audience. And there are a few, I don't know, you know, tons of them. Uh, maybe you, you guys can help me understand more about it, but it does seem like it's sort of a untapped market out there. And so well, I'm, I'm, I'm setting this up to say that I'm not trying to be um, cynical, but it is one of those things that's like, where, where did you, when did you decide to pursue Christian music for children? How did that come about? And maybe we can talk a little bit about the difference between doing the secular and the non-secular. Sure. So, I'm just going to turn it over to you guys for a second to kind of tell me tell me where this comes from for you. Well, we did not have the idea ourselves to create an album of Bible songs. So with that being said, it was a great project, really fun. We had a blast doing it. We love what we made out of it. But it was presented to us as an opportunity to work with a gentleman named John Kenny, who it was his idea, his brainchild, and he had all the he provided all of the lyrics for each song we took those and kind of 
made them our own, maybe lost a line here, or added some some lines there, or changed some in order of things. But he was the real reason we even came about with this. So I agree with you. It's kind of like you know when you said what made you think to do this. It, it wasn't us. It was a it was a, our writing partner and now kind of our business partner in this sense that he's really supportive of what we're doing and he's. He, he's all about us getting it out there to larger crowds and even finding an audience to play for. Um, we have fans, obviously, from our other stuff, and we've we've actually played one gig where we combined the two. We, we played a bit of a release party, about four or five songs from the new album, and then we just played our regular set after that. And people were very receptive, and they liked them. And people even posted on some of our videos that said, I listen to this song on the way to school every morning with my kids, you know? So, like... We're already getting that kind of feedback, which is wonderful. And we're happy to take on all comers as far as the actual getting the gigs lined up and playing them. But yes, it is a brave new world for us. Um, Eric, though, has already made, he did an album for his uh, church that was 10 songs for your hands, feet, and mouth, which is a, but it, but his church, um, why don't you talk about this? Because it's kind of a good little connection between the two. Eric's going to. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I guess right before. Right before Brendan and I started working together as Spaghetti Eddie, I had just produced a record for uh, the, my church. They needed they needed more music to work with in VBS because I guess they kind of that they, they haven't really you know tapped out the market, but they were creating things on their own. You know, they were taking these devotional songs and making home recordings of uh, you know like acapella versions of them. And just so kids would have something to memorize, because there just wasn't a lot of uh, material to 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 buy to use for BBS, and so they had an idea of oh, some some of the messages that they wanted to come across. They wanted me to write a couple, and they wanted me to do some you know some famous ones like Father Abraham and things like that. And I put them all on this disc and. It was really fun because I, I called it 10 songs for your hands, feet, and mouth because I recorded it all with my hands, feet, and mouth. <laughs> uh, that, that was the genre. It was like, we want you to paint a painting, but you, you got to do it with three crayons. You know? <laughs> uh -huh. So uh, it was actually very cool. And uh, so, I mean, I guess I kind of had a little bit of an idea of what it was to, you know, dip your toe in that in that market. And, I've, and I play for church uh, uh, services a lot, live. But um, this was new for us, and anyway, it was a it, it's it's been a real blast. I, I really think that these songs would serve really well for themes that people are developing during the summers and spring breaks and whenever it is they they have their VBSs at different congregations. But I mean that was that's a little bit of a one of the things I think it could really serve as, uh, you know, as VBS music. And VBS is Vacation Bible School. Right, I was about to I was about to chime in there, too, because not everybody's familiar with some of the uh, vernacular around kind of um, contemporary Christian study. Vacation Bible School, which usually is like five days, you know, Monday through Friday during the summer, kind of not a, oh, just like a day camp pro program, usually, maybe a half day, depends, I suppose. Yes, yes, it's been, it's a... It can be. It, we, we hope it is something that people will look into f with this album for that exact purpose. Um, we're, we're definitely hoping to find the right places to take this thing, and that's one of them for sure. Mm -hmm. So when you were approached with this project and having, uh, you know, Eric saying he already had sort of started down the road, 
when John Kennedy approached you with this, how how did you two, as a creative unit, feel about it? Did you have any reservations, or were you like, "Oh yeah, this is great. Let's just let's just do this"? Well, we were we were actually all all about it, but it was just it was just one song. We got together with John, and he had an idea for a song, and he had some lyrics that he'd already written out in kind of a, a poem style, and we had lunch together, and that was it. We did one song, and he loved it, and we loved it, and he showed it to his grandkids. And other people that that were into it, and it wasn't very long before he called us and and with more lyrics and was ready to do another one. So when it started, it was just one. Well, it was just one song. So the more the the longer this went on, you know, the songs started to stack up. And I think around probably number five and six, we were thinking, I guess we're going to do a whole record. <laughs> mm-hmm. There is uh, there's a lot of of Christian rock out there, you know, for older, older folks, I suppose. But then again, most of it is all pretty family friendly and pretty inclusive. Do you feel you fit into that genre in general with this album? Uh, I think we've, we kind of, I think, mm, I want to say no, (laughs) but, (laughs) but I also don't want to not be something that, could work in that world because I mean you're in the industry you kind of know what songs are for more geared towards children and families versus families in general so I think a lot of these songs are kind of more on the kids side as far as the content obviously the music and in the melodies and all that we, we feel are very much universal for everyone to enjoy but you know it's we're kind of still working through that um that how it would how it's going to to react to the market that you just talked about. It's there. It's like a genre within a genre in terms of kids music in that world too. So we're definitely kind of wading through the waters to see how that goes. But we, we hope we can definitely be part of that scene because we obviously would love for people to enjoy it of all ages and, and uh, tastes. Mm-hmm. I, I'm really not familiar with faith-based music, popular uh, faith-based music, on, on that side is that do you guys listen to that like do you have any uh, particular artists that you follow from the faith-based music scene right now I listen to a, a, a lot of the uh, syndicated like what you'd call K-Love a radio station hmm. I guess it's all over the, uh, the the United States there are some really awesome artists out there that you know, there was a time when Christian music uh, it was kind of I think people kind of made fun of it to some degree because it was they I guess people's joke was it sounds like it sounds like the the poor man's version of the real artist you know like mm-hmm. you know some Christian artist might sound a little bit like Coldplay or one that sounds a little bit like some other famous singer or Whitney you know a gal might sound a little bit like Whitney Houston but it's th- it's not that way anymore I th- I think the production value of Christian music is just as good and a lot of times sometimes even better than a lot of secular music that you're hearing on the radio and so uh you know you've got artists now that are winning grammys and 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 the secular grammys are winning awards and they're christian artists i mean look at lauren daigle this year she she killed it at the grammys and she's wonderful Mm -hmm. um and and although our music doesn't it doesn't seem to have the exact same same audience. We aren't 
we our music isn't produced quite the same it's a little bit more uh you know just fun <laughs> uh, as opposed to just being you know dead serious and and uh you know we're i don't know the production value is a lot different that's that's our delivery of vocals and our, the way we harmonize and it's kind of just our own thing you know we just kind of do it and and people enjoy it it, it rings well with our audience, our way of delivering music, you know, the way we sing and the way we play and the way our albums are kind of produced. The continuity continued from the Spaghetti Eddie sound to this album, which I think is what attracted John Kenny to get us involved because he thought he probably, he probably thought, well, they can write a song this catchy about a dinosaur. Why couldn't they write a song this catchy about Noah's Ark? You know, so it just, it just worked out well for what we do. And, and the, the end results were really happy with. So, and just to circle back, did John do any of the melodies or progressions, or was he just like, here are the lyrics, do whatever? He just, he handed us or emailed us a sheet of lyrics, and obviously the 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 content was, you know, we knew what we were singing about or writing or, or going to help create, but he had no input. He didn't, he didn't guide us any one way or the other. He didn't say, I think this song should have this sound before we started. We literally got the lyrics started writing independently and then together and all of a sudden the song was done i think maybe he had us tweak a couple songs and minimal tweaks at that so we felt like we knocked it out of the park for what he was looking for plus we were having a blast doing it because honestly you know to be able to write and record and play and perform music is if you're a musician and get make you know get paid to do so it's like the dream so when we had this project it lasted a good year and a half and because each he didn't hand us 10 songs. He handed us a song. We did it. We waited a couple of weeks or even a month. He handed us another song. So it worked out really well in all um, aspects because we didn't think, oh, we've got 10 songs. We can't have these songs to sound too similar. You know what I mean? It was mm -hmm. like we were able to kind of work it the way we felt or, oh, this song's about Jonah. This To me, this sounds like a campfire song or something, you know? And then Three Dark Days is going to be a heavy, serious song, but still be uplifting in its own way. So like, it worked out really well, and John was uh, like the best uh, collaborator in the world. Hmm. Oh, that's good. Yeah. It must be very gratifying, I say, having never had it happen to me, to have somebody come to you and say, "Hey, I, I got an idea. Hear the lyrics. Let's could could you do this for me?" So obviously, he recognized the fact that you guys were capable, creative, you know, and 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 competent. And that must have been kind of gratifying just to have anybody in general say, "Hey, here's a here's the lyrics. Could you do this thing? Can you take it to the take it to the end?" It is, and I think Eric has had that happen much more than I have because of all the spaghetti stuff we've done in house. But Eric actually works with other artists and in production and and recording. Then I think he's probably written songs or helped people write their own songs, right? Yeah. Yeah, so I think for me it was great. And sometimes you kind of lose sight of the, you're like, it's a job, but at the same time you're kind of like, wow, I, now that I'm looking back, like, yeah, you just saying that made me think, wow, that is kind of cool that he found us and wanted us to do this and saw it through to the very end, a full album, you know, everything that goes with that. You know, you obviously know how that, that works. There's a lot of little ins and outs and artwork and all of the, everything else that goes with it. So, um, but yes, very gratifying. And, and um, it was fun to be a part of that. And I'm hopefully we can, we were already talking about maybe even doing another version of, of a similar with different 
different stories or parables or something else within that world, but we're going to kind of see where this one goes for the time being. I grew up in a Methodist church where in Sunday school there was singing all the time, and Methodists, at least when I was going to 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 church as a Methodist, it was always really positive. I mean, that was the thing about that specific denomination is that there were big singers. And then later I went to uh, Lutheran churches. Uh, we started going to a Lutheran church where they sing a lot in minors. <laughs> and it's a lot more like, you know, it's a lot more dirge sounding during the, the, during the sermons and, and whatnot. Do you think that your album is specifically um, wired for a specific uh, denomination or style, or is it just sort of universal? How does that, is, was that part of your consideration? Oh, no, not at all. I think uh, I think it's all just kind of in the eyes of the beholder or there, because I think any denomination, whether it be Methodist, Lutheran, Baptist, or Church of Christ, uh, uh, we have, I have friends that go to, you know, different, different congregations and different, you know, denominations of churches, and they all seem to, uh, they all seem to enjoy it. And mm-hmm. I think, uh, I think the message is the same, no matter what congregation you're in and no matter what your traditional sound is, you know, like if you're at a church that is just has a piano accompanist and people sing along, or if heck I go to a church of Christ and we don't have any music, we just got people singing, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, and, 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 you know, all, all my friends that go there enjoy it, uh, that have had, that have heard it or own it. So I, I, I don't think, um, uh, I don't think that it, you know we had any any ideas of keeping it trying to make something that caters to a certain audience. It's just it is what it is, and you know the the message of the the Bible is you know the the stories that we told can't be interpreted a million different ways. They just you know, <laughs> simply the story of Noah and Moses in the beginning, and you know I guess uh, I guess it would be pretty easy to get into those conversations, but mid mid you know, kids song versions of them. Not really. Kind of, you know, cut and dry and tell it in a fun way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just as, as we're having this conversation, I'm reminded that singing in church is probably one of the few regular um, instances when people actually do get to sing and they're encouraged to sing and the whole, Oh, I, I don't know how to sing thing that you always get, or I always get, when I pull out my guitar, like, hey, you want to sing a song? It's like, oh, no, I, I don't sing. On Sunday morning, that goes away. And everybody stands, opens the book, and they just, you know, they they sing. It's a unique experience, I think, within uh, the faith-based community that is kind of singular. I don't see us doing that other than well, maybe, I don't know, National Anthem you know, at, at a ballpark or something. But music is almost always an, a pretty integral part of the faith-based community. That's true. I hadn't really thought of that it's not like you walk into a grocery store and people are like singing songs about you know what's in the fruit and vegetable section you know so that's would well (laughs) yeah maybe we're on to something there but no i I agree with you it's definitely it's it's part of it you are when you go in there and i went like i said i went to catholic grade school and high school and we and sunday school and all that so i remember that it was almost a feeling of dread and embarrassment when you had to sing at during certain times where you kind of like mouthed the words, you didn't actually sing the words. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, now it's like, we're all about it. Please sing along, please. It's, it's a way of expressing yourself and, and feeling whatever it is you're trying to feel as opposed to just reading it or thinking it, you know? Mm-hmm. So from a business standpoint, let's, I'd like to ask you some very specific questions about this because 
so I'm an atheist, but I know because of my upbringing and my exposure to music, I know quite a bit, you know, about the Bible and things like that. But I would feel it would be very disingenuous for me if someone like John came to me and said, hey, I love the music you do, do a Bible album. And I'd be like, well, I don't really, I don't think that that's something that I would want to do because I wouldn't feel it was um, authentic for me to do. What do you think as far as, does it matter what the artist feels or does it just matter what the message is? Hmm. That is a, you know what, we've been, we've done a few interviews and talked to some people. This is, that's the first, first question like that we've ever been presented. So congratulations. Uh, <laughs> new ground. I like it. Um, you know, I don't think I ever thought if I don't necessarily believe or, uh, feel a certain thing that I couldn't necessarily write about it. You know what I mean? So I'm sure there are a lot of musicians and songwriters that have written songs that have nothing to do with their personal life or what they've experienced, but they've written it because they know there is a market for someone to enjoy it or to connect with it. So I was happy to continue working with John on this because the songs are for kids and families. That's what we primarily perform and write for anyway. And it just so happened that it was about something that, you know, billions of people enjoy as well. So I was okay with doing it. I didn't have any reservations necessarily. And it actually kind of helped me reconnect with some of the stuff that I was learning and, you know, had interactions with as a younger person. So I was cool with it. But I, I, I do see where you're coming from in terms of your own personal beliefs. But we also kind of looked at it like it was a, a, a paying project that was uh, we were able to express creativity with and kind of make it our own. So I think we were okay with what we did. And I know Eric was obviously all for it, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. I just uh, there there have been times where because I get I get hired to do music for TV and radio commercials, and I've I've scored a, a a film or two, and I there are times when you're approached with something, and by all means, this project is is has nothing to do with this really. But there are times where you are approached to do something that maybe doesn't really meet your moral compass and. Um, the older I get, the more sensitive I am to it because I guess I, I have a dad of two teenagers and, um, I don't know, I guess once you get, the older you get, the more, the more, uh, uh, funerals you've been to and people that you love have passed away or gotten ill and it just makes your heart, uh, uh grow in a way that you can't really explain. And, uh, and so things, my moral compass is different than it used to be and, I think at, at some point you start evaluating what you do and what you're asked to do, and no matter what paycheck it has attached to it, you you make your decision based on what you know is right and wrong, whether you're going to do it. You know, so I've had people ask me to do certain types of music, and I or have a session where they're going to record something, and, I, and it doesn't, it's not something I'm into, and I, I don't want to do it. I just <laughs> right. won't do it. It's. It's a question that I think we as uh, producers of entertainment, specifically for children, have to take kind of uh, seriously. You know, I'm doing this series of podcasts called Split Personalities, and it's about performers for kids in the kids genre who do music just for kids and then also have their, uh, their grown-up band. And because I'm really, I'm curious about that, uh, the the distinction between the two, where it's like, Oh yeah, you know, in the afternoon you're singing about toes, nose, and and sharing and 
stuff. And then at night, you're drinking about drinking whiskey and driving fast and, you know, <laughs> revolution or, or, what, or whatever. And right. it's like, well, how do you, I as an artist, I know how I personally square those two things, but there's things that I've, I, I express in my grown-up material Notice I'm not saying adult because it's because it's like, you know, boom, chucka, waka, waka type stuff. No, it's not the adult. It's just grown up. I, there's stuff in my grown up stuff that I, I, I wouldn't want that five-year-old kid exposed to because sure. it's, not, it's not appropriate, which is the next question. Why did you separate? And that isn't the, uh, and whenever I say why, it's always this accusation. It's not what I'm, I'm but I'm curious about. You're Parker and Alexander for the uh, Bible stories. And your spaghetti Eddie on the other side. So, what was what brought about that decision to have two different brands for your music? We, uh, good question, and no accusation felt upon those on these questions. Good. Totally get it. Um, I think one of the main reasons we decided to kind of create a new entity was because we had John involved. So, with John, he his main goal on this project was to leave a legacy behind for his kids and grandkids and everything else. Um, and he's very, he's a very good man. And it was kind of like, well, let's, let's make this to where he's really involved too, because if he were kind of like, Oh, and this guy also helped write some spaghetti Eddie songs, but they're not really spaghetti, you know, like it was just kind of a weird deal. So we thought, well, what's a good way to keep the band? It's obviously the same band, very similar artwork, very similar sound but let's make it to where it's just going to be a little bit different than what we already have going on. Mm -hmm. So I think that helped us kind of designate it as this project, but you know, the website, if you go to our website, it goes to both places. If you go to Parker and Alexander or the spaghetti, Eddie, it's all the same site. I mean, it's, we think it's going to be, we're going to lean on both sides of the, of the fan base to hopefully cross the line to where our Spaghetti Eddie fans who enjoy that type of music will also look into it. And maybe new fans of the Parker and Alexander will see our other stuff and say, oh, that's good, clean fun too. I think it's going to work out well. It's almost like you know we've got more representation within the world based on having two, quote, two bands, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that too, you know, just to further what Brennan was saying, uh, Spaghetti Eddie is just since the beginning, it's been two guys that made music and, and made records. And so it just made sense that when you make a new record that is now three guys making music, it's it's not, you know, it's not the same band anymore, you know, right. or the same name or entity. No, that makes sense. I was curious if there was any reason why you would want to, from a marketing standpoint, separate them. Like for instance, if you're playing schools or libraries and they're like look you know we really we're not going to do any non-secular music because uh because we just don't know who's going to show up and that might not be uh appropriate there might be parents who are like oh you know what i really I, i'm not going to go to see the spaghetti eddie at the library because they're going to play bible songs and have you experienced any of that yet or do you anticipate no. that uh, have not experienced that yet, and I don't. I don't anticipate it necessarily because I think what we will do is, and you know, you have to have content to to play. So like, we can't play a. I mean, I don't think we could play a full show with just the new album songs, and that's it. Like, there's got to be. When we first started playing gigs, 
you know, it was hard to play a, for more than 20 minutes with the content we had. As we build up our, our catalog, I guess, or our, our inventory of music, then we could stretch it out to 45 to an hour, an hour and a half if we really needed to. So like with this, with this situation, we're kind of going to be a little more strategic on how we perform those songs and how we maybe work it in with, with our existing music. Because I guarantee we can't say, oh, yeah, we can play for about 15 minutes and that's it. You know, like yeah. who, who would want us to show up and do that? So what if we throw in about 10 of our other songs that are very nonspecific about any type of belief or, you know, uh, like doesn't lead people one way or the other? Because some of our songs, most of them are just, if not all of them, are all about just fun and being a good person and, you know, spreading love around the world in their own way. So I think it'll be, I think it's going to be pretty seamless as far as playing those gigs with the, with the non-secular adding and then combining the two. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could totally see that. I mean, the 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 other material of yours that I've listened to off of your volumes one through five, and the Spaghetti Eddie are yeah, they're totally they're great kid appropriate fun sing along type, you know they're they're great inclusive songs. And so, uh, going on that side, it's like as Parker and Alexander, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, you could totally fill a set with, you know, meshing both of those. And I don't think that somebody who is, um, if you were doing uh, a, a big church event somewhere and they that's why they specifically hired you would be right. disappointed at all um, going the other way and maybe I'm totally wrong I would see that there might be some more I guess, sensitivity in that but then again it's like well I guess it depends on the venue and what your intent is exactly I think you're that that last point depends on where we're playing and who we're playing for so I, I do think if we go play at fill in the blank church we can play all the songs on the new album, plus add our own stuff that we have already created. But if we go play at a f- music festival that's, you know, open to the public and there's no specific, you know, entity involved, then we just stick to maybe our regular Spaghetti Eddie set and have fun. And well, we, we throw in some cover songs too that, you know, Paul Simon and um, some other stuff that's just fun for everybody. <laughs> so I think it will, I think once we kind of get that system rolling, we should be golden. It's just really like, working on the songs, the new stuff, because you probably do this too. You write an album, record it, and then you might not play one of those songs for months and you got to relearn, relearn the song in its own way. You know, especially with us, we, because we're a duo there, but the album has bass and keys and, you know, all these different sounds on it, but we're just doing guitar and drums. So we kind of have to rework some of these songs in our own way. So I think it'll be, once we, once we really get it going, I think it should work out pretty well. Yeah. I, I do. I do understand that when you record an album and then, uh, eight months later, you're you're like, okay, let's you know, okay, band, let's do it. And they're like, uh, do we play on that? And it was like, oh, that's right. Most of it was like an afternoon of creative right. inspiration, and now we have to reverse engineer the song. Which is yeah, cool. and Eric and I, are, we we are really good about. I mean, I say that I'm not trying to knock on, not not toot our own horns, but we're good about when we come in to record. We're we're like we two takes on each guitar and vocals, and and then. Eric just crushes it with his drums and bass when I'm doing my own thing. So it's like, we've got a really good system in place to make music efficiently and still sound good and, and have our, have our kind of our signature sound, if you will. So it's a good, it, it works well. And we're, we, we actually performed five of the songs last weekend and they sounded pretty good. I think, I think we were getting some good feedback and John was in the audience and he thought we went up, we did it with, you know, went off without a hitch. So we were, we were proud of that. Oh, that's gotta be really um, validating for to, to do it not only on the album, but then do it live so that he could see 
the because uh, I think sometimes other as a musician I know how things are going to fly basically I get a pretty good idea whether a song could be successful live or not but I think other people maybe don't have that confidence right it's true it's true it's you have to be brave to perform something especially something you've written yourself or you know original stuff so but the good thing is that we have a fan base that's already kind of built in for some of this stuff so we already had a crowd there so when we throughout these new songs people were having fun and dancing and then like i said we just kind of went right into our regular set and just kept it going so it worked out well though it is a very good reminder of what uh things were like when you first started <laughs> that <laughs> because, is true <laughs> because, because here you are with all this material that you've got tons of little uh little intricate funny jokes built in and funny ways of doing harmonies that are all just been polished because you've done the shows 5,000 times. Yeah. And then, but we're going to open the show with songs we don't hardly have any confidence in playing. <laughs> <laughs> so it is kind of fun to, to remember like, oh, every song we've ever played has been in this state yeah. at some point, you know. It's humbling in a way to know like, well, this will eventually sound really crisp and clean like our regular stuff, but we got to kind of build up to that. And a lot of the stuff that we do practice-wise, it's only almost like we have such busy schedules and lives and kids and all that stuff that sometimes we start playing new songs or songs we hardly ever play. We just start playing them live in front of other people and then work on them that way. Most people don't know if we've made a mistake or played the wrong chord progression or sang the second verse first on accident, which happens. But like that's that's just kind of like trial by fire with a lot of that stuff. And we're, we're totally used to it at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I get a lot of sideways looks from my keyboard player when i start kind of going off the rails because i forget the lyrics and yeah, you know definitely. it's it's one of those like yeah no nobody knows but me people do but you know <laughs> yeah um i really i really appreciate you guys taking your time to do this and i have to tell you i was a little trepidatious going into this conversation i think i kind of hinted at that earlier because i didn't want it to be disingenuous i don't there's this idea that i think people get into children's music because, okay, I'm going to step back a second. Every time I talk to somebody who's doing different types of music, if they're doing grown-up music and kids' music, and I say, well, which one, which one pays the bills? They say children's music, hands down, can make so much more money doing children's music than I can my adult, because I can play bars, but I don't, you know, they don't pay. But, is, but there's just so many more opportunities within the kids' music world. And I think people look at that and they, they say, I'm going to exploit that market. And, we, and I see it, just the commercialization of children's music. And uh, for, I don't want to say, I guess in the capitalistic sort of nefarious way, I always go back to, you know, purple dinosaurs. And I'm like, really? Are you making a billion dollars off a of purple dinosaur? And that's kind of setting the bar low as far as yep. material goes, I think. When, Have you heard of Baby Shark? Uh, let me think. Do, do, do. No, I don't think I have. Uh, <laughs> that is the epitome of no, like, of course, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is a billion, billion views and millions of dollars it made off that song. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But you know, and here's the thing. It's like, well, I, you, uh, you and I, we collectively all have the ability to pull one of those out of our nose at any moment. And who right. knows like where a song that we sing about you know how the the chicken laid the dinosaur egg suddenly becomes the next thing it's right. when people I, I guess my cynicism is that there are 
industries out there who are like, okay, so now we're going to do the baby shark. What are we going to? How how are we going to do the baby shark? And so, and if they have enough backing, they can get it out there and get away with it. When I look at faith based music, I see that as another a similar silo where people are like, well, you've kind of got this captive audience of of discriminating parents who want a very specific type of music for their kids. And so as a product, if you could build that and feed that to them, you could probably do really well. And so I wanted to be, I guess maybe that's my cynicism looking at it because it is a genre, a specific, a specific audience opportunity. Right. So in a way, having this conversation with you, I was like, I wanted to know, like, do you see that too? And how do you handle that from a creative business standpoint? Or is that just something that I'm that I'm making up and you don't think that that's a thing? No, I, I think that there are definitely people that get into certain um, styles of music or styles of songwriting that are strictly there to make as much money as they possibly can. You know, and that's the thing. I mean, I know songwriters, I lived in California for several years and I've met uh, met a lot of people and some are very, very, at this point in their career, are super successful songwriters that are writing songs for Ariana Grande and and are doing plays on Broadway and all stuff and they're making great money, but they work their tails off and for them it's like it's a passion. I think if you like music and you're playing it and writing it and performing it and if someone wants you to to create help create their music that they're you know like with John, I'm not I'm completely happy to to work on that and I don't think we're exploiting a genre necessarily because if there wasn't a genre there, then, you know, it's, it's there by, it's there because people want to hear that kind of music, you know? Um, so we're just happy that we're just happy that we were having, we had a new project to work on. Honestly, we probably would have tried to start working on a new Spaghetti Eddie album at that point. And which really with everything we've done on this one and, and just lots of other stuff, we haven't really even sniffed working on a, any new stuff in that sense. But I mean, I think I think it's it's the perception is of those different genres and how people get into them and why they get into them are very like you said it's it's I understand where you're coming from but for us it was very much just right on par with what we're doing and the audience we have and we can add to it and and build from it so I think it was a good fit for us and for John Eric do you think you're are you on board with that that comment too oh, Yes most definitely but it was pretty it, I mean it's pretty seamless for us you know I mean it, and it Especially for me, because I play, um, I mean, I play every Sunday, I'm, I, I play in church. I play for a, a pretty successful artist that, that has been in the worship industry for a long time. Her name's Jamie Smith, has a bunch of records. I'm, I play drums for her, and I sing background for her on Sunday mornings, and I play at an Episcopal church in the evenings uh, every week. I mean, to have someone approach us about doing a Bible record uh, just, you know, was pretty... It was pretty. It was pretty easy. It was already in my wheelhouse. Yeah. So shifting then, um, if you were going to give any specific recommendations for other kids artists who are like, wow, you know what? I I bet I could do a faith based Bible inspired children's album. Where? What would you? What would you suggest? How would you suggest somebody uh, start that process? Yikes! Uh, I don't know. It, it's hard to answer that because it was not our idea to do that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? We, we didn't have the, the thought process to say, you know what we should do? We should write us, write an album with, uh, based on Bible stories. Like it was presented to us and we thought, Oh yeah, let's do it. Like it was a cool opportunity in our mind. I have, I have had some people ask me like, 
hey, how did you get into this? And, and what kind of like, where do you like trying to also do it in a similar way, other artists? And I, it's hard for me to give them a, like a blueprint to follow because when we, the Spaghetti Eddie stuff was very organic and out of, it was sheerly out of fun. Like the album I was writing, the first one was, was going to be a present for my goddaughter as just a fun way to say, you know, more, I'll, I'm honored to be your godfather. Here's some funny songs, you know? And it just kind of went from parent to parent and, and mom to dad and all that. And all of a sudden they were like, you should keep going. And that's how we started Spaghetti Eddie. So it wasn't, there was no master plan or grand scheme that was involved. It was just like, I like playing music. I'm a goofy guy. Eric's goofy in a world. You know, we have fun doing what we do and it just worked out really well. So if someone's passionate about it and they want to get into it, don't ever not do it. But it'd be hard for me to tell someone this is the, this is the path to follow. You know, mm -hmm. you got to find a good story. You got to get a good song. You got to make sure it's at least two to three minutes long and blah, blah, blah. For us, it's like, it just kind of came second nature. And with John involved, he already had the, the blueprint laid out for us. So it was just, it was kind of like the, the perfect storm, I guess. So it sounds like you've, you've found um, satisfaction in doing this album, the content and putting it out there and the process. So let's say that this album does really well and you start to get a lot of gigs. Would you then do your next, you're like, hey, you know what? We should follow it up. We'll do another 10 months. Whether or not John wants to be involved in writing, maybe John is like, you know what? This is good and I'm done. I'm all out of lyrics. Do you see that if this is something that becomes a viable revenue stream for your band as far as album sales and whatnot, would you do another Bible-based album? And if you did, would you do it under Spaghetti Eddie or where is this going to go for you? That's a really good question. That is a really good question. I mean, uh, per, I, I'm not, I, I'm just going to speak without thinking a whole lot. I would say I'd be into it. I mean, I, I've already thought about, uh, I've already thought about other concepts and run them by John, you know, that, like what would happen if we took, you know, there's a huge uh, number of songs, all with great messages and some of them with lengthier and a little bit more, you know, trouble troublesome type you know uh stories and scenarios but you know just can you imagine just a whole album based on songs and then a, a whole album based on uh the the disciples where you have a song about each one of them and their funny quirks and things and stories about them i mean the endless possibilities of what you could do yeah and and to add to that i i think that i like to kind of go by the seat of my pants when it comes to a lot of things so if if everyone's on board and it turns into, like you said, a, a, a great revenue stream, ultimately my goal as a musician is to get music out and have people enjoy it and send good messages and good vibes out in the world. But at the same time, you know, like Eric was saying earlier, we're getting older, our priorities are changing. I'm not, we're kind of done with the free gigs here and the don't, you know, donate the time. We'll put your name on the poster kind of vibe, which we've definitely done, but like, if it's worth my time and, and I feel good about it and it's another way to help pay my mortgage and all that, then all about it, you know? So, mm -hmm. and it's not like we're playing anything that would be considered negative and, and, you know, ill-willed. It's just music for a, another type of genre of, of fans. And, you know, like you said, with country music, I, I, I too couldn't name a country, a kid's country music artist. And maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe not. But like, you know, if, if someone, writes an album like it and it's successful, I'm sure they're going to try to tour and play gigs and get it out there as much as they could. So we're just happy to be playing music and doing these types of interviews and having people say, hey, we love your songs and, you know, we 
we blah, 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 you know, all the great things you do. So I think we'd be definitely open for any continuation of the, of definitely playing and then maybe even writing. So we'll see. We're just going to kind of take it as it comes. So Brendan and Eric, thank you so much for coming on uh, Barn Banter. It has been a really awesome conversation with you. It's been kind of inspiring in a way to hear how you've been able to sort of navigate from from different genres and subgenres so seamlessly. And I just wish you like continued success, especially with the new album. And I'm very curious to see how it goes. And in the future, if you ever want to come back on and say, "Oh, update! This is." We're now doing Black Sabbath covers, and it's really going well. <laughs> yeah, they'll be like, "Okay, hey, that's that's interesting. I'd like to talk about that too, or whatever you want." So, <laughs> so, where can we find you guys? Where can we keep track of what's going on with with both the Parker and Alexander and the Spaghetti Eddie Wonders? Uh, and I will do that. Thank you so much for having us on. It's always fun to talk to someone who knows where we're coming from musically, mentally, all that kind of stuff when it comes to this uh, stuff. So I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, you can find us at thespaghettieeddie.com. Eddie is E-D-D-I-E, the Spaghetti Eddie, along with parkerandalexander.com. And we're obviously got the Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, streaming services, iTunes, all, all that kind of jazz with the music. So look us up. We'd love to hear from you or get new fans or just whatever you want to do. And there's the train whistle. Awesome. All right. Time to go. <laughs> All right. That was a fun conversation with Parker and Alexander. And now uh, let's follow it up with a tune off of their album. This one is called Jonah and off of their, uh, their album, All of Us, Bible Songs for Everyone. And with a great big gulp and a wiggle of the tail In went Jonah to the mouth of the whale And with a great big cough and a swish of the tail Out come Jonah from the mouth of the whale And with a great big gulp and a wiggle of the tail In went Jonah to the mouth of the whale And with a great big cough and a swish of the tail Out come Jonah from the mouth of the whale God asked Jonah to preach to the wicked and mean But Jonah was afraid so he ran away from the sea From the Lord He found a ship going out to sea And he jumped on board A storm appeared and the crew feared for the lies they knew that Jonah was hiding away from God, from the Lord The only way to survive was Jonah going overboard Then with a great big gulp and a wiggle of the tail In went Jonah to the mouth of the whale And with a great big gulp and a wiggle of the tail in went Jonah to the mouth of the whale And with a great big gulp and a wiggle of the tail In went Jonah to the mouth of the whale And with a great big gulp and a wiggle of the tail In went Jonah to the mouth of the whale Jonah prayed and God forgave And Jonah was safe that day Jonah prayed God forgave, and Jonah was saved that day. And with a great big cough and a swish of the tail, 
Out come Jonah from the mouth of the whale And with the great big cough and swish of the tail Out come Jonah from the mouth of the whale And with the great big gulp and a wiggle of the tail In went Jonah to the mouth of the whale And with the great big cough and swish of the tail Out come Jonah from the mouth of the whale And with the great big gulp and a wiggle of the tail in went Jonah to the mouth of the whale And with the great big cough and the swish of the tail Out come Jonah from the mouth of the whale There's a nice like country sort of Nashville 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 feel <laughs> to that I like that, that's cool, that's Jonah off of Spaghetti Eddie Actually Parker and Alexander Their new album, um, All of Us Bible Songs for Everyone if you want to be on the Barn Banter and chit-chat about what you bring to the world of music for kids and families, well, just go over to my website, www.cowboyandy.com. Click on the contact and contact me and we will talk and have more fun. And so, until next time, like, share, love, and be well. Yes, most of all, be well. Love. Small.